Three years ago, I received an ominous-sounding phone call that spoke of UK demolition companies being raided by the Competition and Markets Authority. At the time, I had no idea who or what the Competition and Markets Authority were, or what power they wielded. I had no inkling that the organisation's initials would slip so readily into the demolition sector's vernacular, or that those three letters would come to dominate industry discourse. I certainly had no indication that the conversation about the CMA investigation would still be going on three years later. In the 36 or so months since the news of a possible investigation made their way into the public realm, and with no details forthcoming, the talk has turned to speculation over the likely fallout. But now, is this story nearing its end? Or are we merely facing yet another false dawn? Is it possible to separate an individual from a crime of which they're accused or convicted? It's a question I've asked myself since I first received word that an anti-collusion investigation was underway in the UK demolition industry. Some of those involved might be people I know, that I like, respect and even admire. Would I feel the same about them afterwards? I don't have a definitive answer. On the one hand, if you check the list of Tour de France winners for the period 1999-2005, you will see that it says simply, no winner. Lance Armstrong's drug-fueled dominance during that period was considered so heinous that he's been expunged from the record books. He is Cycling's Lord Voldemort. He is Macbeth. We dare not speak his name. On the other hand, Michael Jackson was accused of doing something far worse than taking performance-enhancing drugs while riding a bike. But I will still happily listen to Off the Wall and Thriller and tap my feet as I go. Now, I am not for one moment suggesting that collusion or price-fixing are on the same level as accusations of child molestation. And perhaps that's the point. Michael Jackson may have had an unhealthy interest in children, but the guy could sing and dance. A few demolition men may have had an unhealthy interest in cash, but there's no denying that they can do a cracking bit of demolition too. So should they still receive airtime, like Michael Jackson? Or should speaking their very name be somehow outlawed? From my perspective, the answer is very easy indeed. Regardless of any crimes, so long as those companies and those individuals remain active in the demolition business, it will be my duty to report upon their activities. The wider demolition community, though, may not be so forgiving. Those involved in the precast concrete collusion, you remember, those that were fined a staggering £36 million, well, they attended cosy meetings in cosy hotels. Those meetings included selected individuals that were busily arranging a cartel. Simultaneously, those meetings excluded everyone else. Even if there had been an open invitation to the alleged meetings about alleged cartels within the demolition business, I'd like to think that there would be many that would choose to stay away. That isn't actually the point. The point is this. Regardless of what form any alleged collusion or price-fixing took, it prevented honest, law-abiding and transparent demolition firms from competing for work. And in an industry where there is still a high volume of family-owned businesses, that will not be dismissed as all is fair in love, war and business. 
It amounts to using illegal means to take food from the tables of other demolition company principals and their families, and that will not sit well. Will those innocent demolition companies attend regional or national meetings, industry events and exhibitions, and award ceremonies at which they will be expected to rub shoulders with those found guilty of collusion? Personally, I wouldn't. Then again, I can think of nothing that would encourage me to sit down with those that consider themselves my rivals or competitors. As far as I'm concerned, they're my sworn enemies. I'd rather sell my soul to Satan himself than agree to divvy up the demolition advertising budget with another media outlet. Now, I've just mentioned demolition awards. What will be the take of their organisers if it's proven that past winners have been involved in collusion or price-fixing? Will they be willing to let sleeping dogs lie? Or will they go full Lance Armstrong? The answer may not be as simple as it appears. The default and easy response of the awards organisers might be to let bygones be bygones, unless a winning contract of the year entry was identified as having been won through collusion. It would surely be best to just let awards from previous years stand. But I receive emails from demolition companies that use their previous awards and nominations on their email signatures as proof of their past achievements and accomplishments. Chances are those same award wins and nominations are used on tender documents, company websites, in fact anywhere they might be used to reinforce the company's credibility. When the ball finally drops and the CMA reveals all, credibility will not just be a valuable commodity, it could be the very key to survival. For a time, it will probably appear that the news headlines do nothing but mention the guilty parties, and no amount of PR spin and positive news placement will alter that fact. But slowly and surely, the dust will settle. The ships will right themselves and the ocean will calm. When the time comes to start bidding for work anew, in a post-prosecution era, those companies will be looking to wear details of their previous award wins like battle-hardened soldiers wearing their medals on parade. How will the Demolition Award organisers feel about it then? Of course, all of this remains nothing but speculation, an educated guess about a world that doesn't yet exist. So when will that new world exist? When will the post-CMA era commence? We were expecting some news in March of this year, that's 2022 if you're already living in a post-CMA world and listening to this as an object lesson from the past. But when the end of March arrived, the CMA merely issued a statement to say the next update was scheduled for July 2022. Once again, the industry was forced to hold its breath for just a little longer. Based upon the preceding three years, the industry may well turn blue before any real announcement is forthcoming. A look at the official CMA website reads like a catalogue of full storms. Between March and September of 2019, the investigation was focused upon initial information gathering. In October 2019, a decision was made to proceed with the investigation. Updates were then expected in June 2020, December 2020, February 2021, December 2021 and March 2022. Each of those dates passed without any conclusion, the goalposts shifting back each time. The next update is due in July 2022, and there is every possibility that that too could prove to be another false dawn. For the time being, much as when this story began, 
We have had no official confirmation that an investigation is taking place. We have no confirmation on which companies might be the subject of any investigation. We have no confirmation on which individuals might be the subject of any investigation. We have no confirmation of what any alleged collusion or price-fixing might have involved. And we have no confirmation on the level of any penalties that might be levied against any guilty parties. All we have right now is uncertainty. Uncertainty and the feeling that some of those we respect, admire and even attempt to emulate might not be quite so worthy of our respect and adoration. Until the CMA finally makes its pronouncement, we will, knowingly or otherwise, greet our peers with a degree of caution and distrust. And while some amongst us will be eyeing a post-CMA future with barely concealed anticipation of a new, more level playing field, we are currently left not with hope, but with a feeling of disquiet and distrust. The CMA Files is a demolition news production. It was written and narrated by Mark Antony. We hope you enjoyed this episode.